get everything turned on correctly? Good, right? It's my first time with one of these uh, Britney Spears mics. How am I doing? Okay. Everybody hear me all right? Well, good. Hey, it is great to be here. I love, I'm biased, but I love Wellspring and what's going on here. And I, I know so many people and there's so many wonderful connections from back in the days of Young Life and uh, St. Joe, and it's fun to sing some songs that were written by a guy named Mike Crawford, who's been in a small group with my wife and I, his, his wife, we've been in a small group for about 10 years, so it's just this great mixing of people and friendships and time, and every time I come up here, I'm just, I think I'm more excited about what's happening with Wellspring, and I, even, not just people-wise and ministry-wise, but I, I look at the building, and it looks awesome, the community room is amazing, I mean, it, every time I come in here, I go, oh, that's cool, that's new, so... It's true, I'm, you know, I'm biased and I'm gushing a little bit, but um, that's okay. And I, I just had the opportunity to be a part of the men's retreat a couple months ago, or the, the men's advance, as uh, Bob called it. We don't retreat, we advance. No, uh, but that was great and got to meet more people and really had a good time. Um, 2012, here we are. It's been a big year for me. I know this is going to be hard to believe, but I turned 50 this year, and uh, I've just been trying to milk that for all it's worth, okay? That was in March. I'm still talking about it. Dave and Rich Fox and a few of us went on a trip last week to continue to commemorate my 50th birthday. I don't know what else I can do. It's Father's Day. Maybe I can parlay that into something today. But here's another pretty big milestone for me, maybe even bigger than turning 50. In 2012, I started texting Huh? And I want you guys to know that I looked at my record, and last month, I sent almost 200 texts. <laughs> so, you're not going to be able to keep up with me. Dave gives me trouble. We were talking a couple of weeks ago. He goes, dude, I just could not believe the first time I looked down at my phone and there was a text from you. you know? And I was like, yeah, I had just figured it out. It was like February or something. But I also found this out, and I'm going to let you guys in on it. There's a whole, like, language of abbreviations that you can use when you text people. So you don't have to type everything out, okay? And there's, like, websites devoted to it. And I know some of these abbreviations, okay? So I'm going to let you guys in on some of these. And I've kind of made a little quiz for us with just some text abbreviations or acronyms. And we're going to go through them. We're going to start with some easy ones. Then we'll go to some medium ones. Then we're going to go to some difficult ones. But we're just going to kind of see how much texting you know about and see if you're kind of in my realm or whatever. So, all right, let's start with an easy one here. Most people will probably know this one. LOL. Laughing out loud. Laugh out loud. See, that's simple, okay? Next one. GTG, right? Got to go. I'm a busy guy. I'm texting. All right? Can't even write the words out. I'm so busy. All right, here we go. Next one. R-O-F-L. Rolling on the floor laughing. That's funny, right? I mean, I'm on the floor laughing. Hope it's carpeted. All right, here we go. Next one. C-U-L-A-T-R. Yeah, you like that little eight in there? See you later, huh? It's like I can't talk to you now, but I'll see you later, okay? All right, now we're going to move into the medium realm, okay? Here we go. G-F-I. Anybody know this one? Go for it. It's kind of my motto now that I've turned 50, GFI. Go for it. All right, here we go. Next one. 
Skater, S-K-8-R. We got the 8-R there. That's usually Ader, okay? Skater, okay? <laughs> so for those of you who are skaters, that could be your license plate. Here we go. TBD, to be determined. That's kind of an acronym that they've used in business and other things too, but you can use it on texting also. All right, here's the next one. Two symbols. Starbucks, huh? <laughs> now, if you're really fly, you could do C-U-L-8-R at Starbucks, right? It's ridiculous, man. All right, here we go. BWL, bursting with laughter. While you're R-O-F-L, man. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. MSTM, anyone? Makes sense to me. All right, now, if you guys, I was killing you on that one. You're not even going to be able to hang in the difficult ones. Here we go. I-H-A. I actually found this one online in like one of those websites that talks about abbreviation. I-H-A. I hate acronyms. <laughs> How oxymoronic is that? All right, here we go. D-Q-Y-D-J. Don't quit your day job. Thank you, Rob. I've gotten that advice a lot in my life. It's really weird. All right, here we go. H-I-O-O-C. Anyone? This one is help. I'm out of coffee. You send that from the office. All right, here we go. Last one. J-U-A-D-L-A-M. Juadlam. Anybody? This one I really found. This is jumping up and down like a monkey. Okay? <laughs> so you must be really excited on that one. Okay, now, then I did a couple of my own. I'm pretty creative in the texting thing. So I've done a couple of my own. Here's one that I made up. W-A-W-T-L-T. -T. Anyone? This one is, why are we talking like this? <laughs> I really don't understand. All right, and here's my final one. Being a Jayhawk, this is my final one. W-D-M-B-F-T-S-E-C. Anyone? Why did Missouri bolt for the SEC? That's right, that's right. They're back to the Starbucks, back to the Bucks. All right, let's do this. I know I've been pretty harsh on you guys in that quiz. Let's move back just to a real simple one, and this is one that most people probably know. Oh, I don't have it up there. All right, then let's just do this. Who knows what TMI stands for? Too much information. Very good. And that's one that kind of brings it back. You know, maybe somebody's telling you stuff, and you're like, I don't need all that. Just hit them with a TMI, TMI. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like my life is TMI, too much information, that there's just so much stuff going on that uh, I can't sort it all through. And if anything, we, we know this to be true because in this informational age that we're living with the advent of you know, cable TV, Wi-Fi, cell phones, texting, Facebook, we know that we now have in our lifetime really too much access to too much information. You know, that probably couldn't have been said 50 or 100 years ago, but I, I really believe that we have too much access to too much information. It's not possible to process it all. And the interesting thing is that a lot of this information can be categorized in different ways. Like, a lot of this information is just completely useless, right? Like, what some celebrity's favorite recipe is, or what the Kardashians are up to, right? I mean, that's just useless information. We don't really need that. Another category is that 
a lot of this information is benign. It just really doesn't help us or hurt us. It's just neutral and kind of a waste of time. A lot of the information that we get is very helpful. It's amazing what we can find and what information we can get. Um, we can connect with people all over the world. A couple examples of this, when we were in Chicago uh, for our, our guys weekend, again, kind of milking out my 50th birthday deal, uh, one morning we got up and one of the guys that was with us has a nephew who is serving in the army in Afghanistan. And so we were sitting on the front stoop of a row house in Chicago, Illinois, with the laptop computer Skyping with his nephew in Afghanistan. How crazy is that? I mean, I'm, I'm seeing his face and I'm talking back and forth. I'm sitting in the sunshine in Chicago and he's in his barracks in Afghanistan. Uh, this weekend, I Skyped with one of our former uh, exchange students from Brussels, Belgium. I was talking to Marie in Brussels, Belgium, and I'm looking at a computer. You know, it's 2.30 here and 9.30 in Brussels, and you're having a conversation with somebody all the way across the world, and you can even see them. That's amazing. That's helpful stuff. We can do tasks instantly that used to take much longer. You know, you can book a flight in five, ten minutes. You can research a paper online. Um, you can look up a scripture passage and find it in 10 different versions. You can dig around and find the Hebrew or Greek roots of the words that are there. You can see a great movie. You can listen to great music. I mean, there's just so many helpful things that technology does for us. But then also technology and the internet give us a lot of information that's really, it's dangerous. It's evil. It's perverted. It's deceptive. It's, it's dark. I just think about this on one level. You know, everybody except I think Dave and I do Facebook, you know, just because we just can't figure it out yet. We're still working on the texting thing. But everybody does Facebook, and Facebook's cool for connecting with people, but also on a weird way, it allows you this ability to portray these false images. Or maybe you know people who are on Facebook, and kind of what you see on Facebook is completely different than what you know to be true in their real life. And with Facebook and tweeting, we can create this persona. We can kind of become someone that we're not. We can substitute real interaction with people with electronic relationships. You know, everybody's probably said, oh, I'm friends with them on Facebook, right? And I get that, but then I don't get that sometimes. What does that mean? Well, out of 582 people on my Facebook friends, you know, we have this click relationship. So it's, it's good, but it's kind of weird. It can be strange. And then on a deeper, darker level, technology and the internet can really take us to places that will rot us individually and as a society. Um, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4 uh, today in a minute, but one of the passages in Proverbs 4 is verse 19. It says, the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. And I think there's a lot of things that technology has done to take our society and people into deep darkness. So you see this whole spectrum of useless to helpful to really kind of spooky that, that information allows us to do. In the early 1980s, there was a guy named John Nesbitt, who wrote this book called Megatrends, and I, I realize a lot of people, or a few of us, were only around in the 80s. How about that? But there was a guy that wrote this book, and it was one of the things he talked about was that our society in the West, and mainly the United States, has shifted from an agricultural 
society to an industrial society to now an informational society. So back in the early days, you know, everything was agrarian or agricultural. And then in the 1900s, we kind of became this industrialized nation. And in the last 30, 40, 50 years, we've kind of switched to becoming an informational world or society or culture. And he also talked about the fact that with all this information that's out there, we construct a grid. And this grid helps us filter all this information that's coming at us. You know, we, we put this grid up that helps us allow what we want to come in and allows us to keep out what we want to keep out. Um, and this grid is our sorting mechanism for all this information. So how do we glean wisdom and what's helpful and throw out the rest? How do we kind of cut through all the noise? And the grid helps us filter that. What do we let in? What do we keep out? You know, we spend so much time sorting through all the information that's out there. Like a concrete example, think about your daily email inbox, right? There's all kinds of stuff in there. Uh, There's usually more stuff than you can handle, whether it's for your business or for school stuff, stupid forwards from your parents, right? You get all those every once in a while? Or friends? Pop-up ads, flashy things on the side of your Gmail. There's just all this information, and I've got to decide... Am I going to delete this one? Am I going to look at this one? Am I going to read this? Am I going to do that later? Am I going to mark it as unread? Just a classic example of the information and the sorting and the grid that we use. So we come back to TMI. There's just too much information. There's a battle to get what people want to get in your head and what you want to keep out. That's, a, that's an ongoing thing. There's a competition almost going on that's vying for our attention and our, our thoughts. There's a lot of garbage disguised as information out there. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of, there's a lot of crap out there. And that's what I love about the Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. It kind of cuts through the noise. It cuts through the crap. You know, it, it slices right through it. Proverbs is the opposite of TMI. It says a few things and says them really well. And as most of you know, this summer, Wellspring is walking through some of the books of the books of uh, the the book of Proverbs, um, the context of Proverbs, I'm sure most of you are aware, again, it's, the authorship is pretty much attributed to, to Solomon, who is the son of King David of Israel. It's kind of designed for like a father to a son or a parent to a son. A lot of times it says, my son, listen to this. There's this imparting of, of wisdom. Um, it's also kind of cool because you can read it daily. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs, and so you can read a proverb a day in addition to your other Bible reading. I, that's what I like about it. Um, and I've listened to some of the past week's sermons. It's been kind of fun. And as we've picked up over the past few weeks, it seems like the predominant theme of Proverbs is wisdom, right? That's the main thing. So here's a little group participation. When you think of wisdom, what pops into your head? And I'm asking that not rhetorically, so... Yoda, there you go. Yeah, he's kind of a character with a lot of wisdom in the Star Wars series. Parents, another source of wisdom. What a, yeah, sources or thoughts, what comes to your mind when you think of what wisdom is? Learning from your mistakes. Very true. You're stealing my thunder. I'm going to say that later, okay? so. Other thoughts? Yeah. Experiencing strength and hope. Finding wisdom through that. Very good. Yeah, that's good stuff. Uh, you know, wisdom helps us 
uh, to guard our heart. Wisdom helps us make good decisions. It helps us discern. I'll never forget the first time I went to New York City. It was probably in the mid-80s, and I went with my buddy, Dan Wilburn, uh, and he, he, he and I had worked in Young Life together, and he had to go up for a work trip, and so he and I went, and then he had a couple extra days, so we're total country bumpkins walking through Manhattan, you know, and at one point, we had the bright idea to get on a subway and just ride it as far as it will go. Huh? That sounds pretty Cass County, doesn't it? So... <laughs> So I'm like, come on, Dan, let's just jump on the subway and see where it goes. So we just start riding north out of downtown Manhattan. We have no idea what's going on. So then finally, you know, finally it comes up out of the subway, and you're riding above the ground, and we're yakking and having a good time, and, and we're not realizing really where we're heading. And so all of a sudden, there's this older gentleman on the, on the subway, and after about 30, 40 minutes, he's like, do you guys realize where you're going? Do you guys know where you're going? And we're like, no, we're just going to ride this thing to see where it stops. And thankfully, that guy had the wisdom to ask a good question of us. And thankfully, we had the wisdom to kind of look around outside the windows and go, this is a bad part of town, and get off and then, you know, take the, cross the platform and get on the next train back downtown. The pursuing uh, biblical wisdom, as discussed in Proverbs, asks us that question. Where are you going? Where are we going? And that's an important question to ask. Okay, today we'll look a little bit at Proverbs 4. We're not going to look at the whole chapter. And I do think we have that up on the screen. This is just verses 20 through 27. It's the tail end of the book of the chapter 4. And what I thought we would do together is let's read it all together. And I think I have the same translation on my paper as you guys do. Just to make sure that I sent the right thing. Good, okay. Okay. So let's say it together, and then what I'll do is I'll read it just one more time and let you guys just kind of soak into it, okay? All right, here we go. Let's all read this together. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Okay, now I'll read it one more time, and just, you can follow along, but just listen. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Be a good church name. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. That's why, you know, Proverbs is just loaded. I mean, that thing is loaded. We could talk for a long time. But what I wanted to do is I read through this and was looking and preparing for this talk and got to that little section of the fourth proverb, I uh, 
three words jumped out at me, and there's a ton of them in there, but there were three words that kind of stood out as I read through that. And those three words are guard, perverse, or perversity, and swerve, okay? So let's take a couple minutes and just look at those three words. Let's look at them in reverse order. Let's start with swerve, okay? So swerve, when you think about swerve, there's a couple things you could, ways you could look at it. Like, the first thing I think of is, like, swerving to avoid an object. Like, if I was driving up here from St. Joe today, I mean, from, you know, from Peculiar coming to St. Joe this morning, and I swerved for a cat. No, actually, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> if, a, if a dog ran out in front of me, and you kind of swerve, you know, and then you swerve to avoid something, and then you write your course and get back on track. You know, that's one way you swerve. Something comes in your way, and you kind of swerve to get around it. But then there's this other kind of swerve where you're, you swerve because you're just not paying attention or you're distracted. You just kind of, you're floating off course. And, uh, you know, they got those things on the side of I-29. I hit those on the way up here as I was reading through this while I was driving. No, sorry. Um, but there's that other kind of swerve where you're not trying to avoid something. You're just not paying attention. You're distracted and you kind of drift off course. Um, and there are these areas in our life where we're swerving where we don't want to go. And, and sometimes we may realize it, but a lot of times we don't. We're, just, we're drifting off course, and if there's not those speed bumpers there or something, we may not realize that we're really taking a course that's not good. You know, and a good question to ask might be, gosh, where am I drifting? Where am I swerving? So there's that idea of swerve, that, that, that drift. And the second one is this idea of perverse or perversity. Um, I think when I think of a pervert or something perverted, I think most of us probably think of a dirty old man in a trench coat, you know, saying, hey, you want some candy or something like that, you know. But I looked up the definition uh, uh, for perverted, and this is what it said. It said, turned from what is right, wicked, misguided, distorted. Turned from what is right. So in other words, taking something that can be good or right and then twisting or distorting that. And I think when you twist or distort what is right, it's even worse than stuff that's just plain wrong. You know, it's just, it's like when you take something good and you just make it, you make it sick. I mean, there's just sick stuff out there and that's just the way it is. But when something's good gets warped, that's really disturbing to me. I think of three areas where this happens a lot in our culture, you know, the big three. Money, sex, and power. You know, those are kind of the things that, that supposedly drive a lot of our culture. But, you know, money necessarily isn't a bad thing. It can be used to do great good, to help people, to build things, to research illnesses and medicine. But it can also be used to repress people, or people can use money to buy stuff and use stuff and accumulate things that don't help. It can become a god and ruin people's lives. Sex, another thing that was designed by God to be uh, an expression of love between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. It's a great thing. But sex can be perverted. It can be twisted. Um, through it, whether that's through, you know, pornography or abuse, it can be really taking this wonderful thing that God has created to be used in the right way and and make it something perverted or twisted. Power, the same thing. Power can be used to lead people, to free people, or it can be used to oppress and enslave. So you can see where 
things can get taken that can be right and made completely wrong. So how do these things get so distorted? How do they get jacked up like that? Well, I think it goes back to the first word, swerve. You know, it just starts to drift. You kind of slowly move the line, or you're not paying attention. The next thing you know, you're way off course. You know, I don't think anybody wakes up one day and says, today, I am going to wreck my relationship with God. That's my goal for today. But you all know people who at one time have really been close to God and now don't seem to have any connection to Him at all. But that didn't happen by them just waking up one day and saying, you know what, this God thing, I'm, it's overrated, I'm moving on. Probably through their life. And maybe some of you are in this situation right here. There's this incremental drift away from God. And then the next thing you know, you're in a situation like, I don't even feel connected to God. Or maybe, you know, somebody that's become an alcoholic, you know, they don't just wake up one day and become an alcoholic. Maybe they've got some family tendencies or something, but usually it starts off, you know, maybe with a few beers or something like that. And then down the road, all of a sudden, somebody has this raging addiction. Or gaining 50 pounds. Does anybody wake up and say, hey, today, this week, I'm going to put on 50. What do you think? You know, all of a sudden, it's like, man, I got about three extra running around with me here. And then that three becomes eight, and that eight becomes 24. And then you're at 37, next thing you know, it's time to buy some Sansabelt Dockers or something, you know? But it's that incremental drift, you know? It's not like you just go out and you want to do these things. This swerving, this drifting can take what's good and make it perverted, you know? Take it and take it not where we want it to go. Before we know it, the things that start off good end up in a weird place. So that takes us to our third word, this idea of guard. So we hit swerve, perverted, and now we're talking about guard. Because our tendency to drift shows us of our need to guard our hearts, to keep us on track, to keep us from drifting. See, gaining wisdom and attaining wisdom, I think, are crucial to the process of guarding our heart. Last week, for those of you who were here, Jim Gum was here, right? And I listened to his message online. And he just talked about this idea of digging for wisdom, of pursuing wisdom or mining for wisdom like it's precious stones or gold or jewels. So where do we find wisdom? How do we get it? Here's a few thoughts. You know, one is through the scriptures and prayer, obviously. You know, the, the Proverbs, the, the teachings of Jesus. There's so much wisdom that we can find in the scriptures through prayer, asking God to help us attain wisdom, to become wise people. That's one way. Another way to attain wisdom is through other people. Uh, you know, Dave and the guys, we were talking on the retreat about uh, who are those people in your life who are trying to follow Jesus like you are? And are you getting together with those folks? And are you connecting up? Are you going forward with those people? Who are the people that are trying to pursue wisdom? Are you linking arms with those folks? And as I've talked to people here, I think Wellspring is really trying to set this culture of connectedness. And I think that's a great thing. I mean, that, that's an important part of a church community is to have that idea that this is our mindset. We're going to try to do this thing together. We're going to try to follow Christ together. We're going to try to pursue wisdom together. And by doing that, I think you can help guard your heart. And then lastly, or you know, not lastly, but my third thought on how do we attain wisdom is learning from our experiences, both good and bad. Learning from our experiences, both good and bad, is a great source of wisdom. I heard a story one time about this hotshot young salesman who went into the CEO of the company's 
office. And he, you know, he was just gung-ho. He wanted to be, you know, he was like, I'll just, I want to be that CEO someday. So he walks into the CEO and he says, all right, boss, tell me, what's the secret? You know, how do I get in that chair? What do I, what do I got to do? And the boss looks at him and he goes, two words, good decisions. And the guy's like, good decisions, got it. Right. So, so, you know, so he takes off. So the next day he comes back. He's like, okay, I got the idea, good decisions. But how do you make good decisions? The boss looks at him and he goes, one word, experience. Got it. Okay, so he walks out. Good decisions, experience. Thanks. But then the next day, he comes back again. And he says, okay, boss, you know, I know I got to make good decisions because that's how I get experience. But how, I mean, you know, experience leads that. How, how do you get experience? And he says, two words, bad decisions. <laughs> so our bad decisions can be great guides in teaching us how to get experience and make good decisions. It takes time and learning from your experiences to gain wisdom in order to guard your heart. Wisdom is possessed by someone who's taken the time to get wise. It takes time to get wise. And we usually hurry too much. Our culture today is so obsessed with speed. Make it happen fast. Fast food. Drive through restaurants. Drive through bank. Drive through cleaners. Everything's got to be fast. I have a friend who's a radiologist and, uh, and what he does is looks at x-rays all day. And he told me about how it was when he started and how it is now. It used to be that when you had an x-ray, they would have to put somebody on a table, take a picture, go develop the film, take the film to a room with a lighted wall, hang it up on the wall, and look at the x-ray, and then you know, walk back down to the emergency room and go, this guy's got a broken arm. That's how x-rays used to work 30, 40 years ago. Well, now we have MRIs and CAT scans and even better x-ray machines, right? So... They can take a picture and email it to somebody's computer in a different city or state or location. They can look at it and then send a quick email back and in seconds shoot back a diagnosis that hopefully is accurate. Now, the crazy thing is that because of our obsession with speed, a lot of these hospitals, have you seen these signs where they say, we guarantee you 20 minutes in the ER or something like that? You know, like if you come in, you'll be seeing a doctor within 20 minutes. Well, that's all good because it helps you get care quicker, but the guys that are sitting there reading these x-rays are getting x-rays from all these different people and like, hurry up, i got another guy waiting. And they're looking at things that are determining you know, very important health decisions, and they're trying to click through these things, and there's this queue of other people's x-rays lining up, and this is how my friend says most of his days are as a radiologist. That, that kind of creeps me out a little bit. But this obsession for speed has driven us to that kind of a situation. Have you seen this in your own life? You know, maybe you've got to, got to meet your sales quota quicker. God, I had three months last year, now I have two. Or you've got to get those reports in faster. Or you've got to teach your kids more information more quickly. Um, it's funny, one of the cookbooks that we use in our house most often is one called Desperation Dinners, How to Make a Dinner in 20 Minutes or Less. You know, that's how we live as a society. We live in this microwave culture that just wants everything done fast. And that kind of leads me to my final point. And it's, it's that it's not about speed. You really can't hurry this process of gaining wisdom. My son and I, we've got Netflix at our house, and so we're going back and we're watching all the old Rocky movies, you know. Some of those came out before I know a lot of you were born. But the first Rocky movie came out in 1976, okay? I was in high school at the time. And that movie in 1976, here, I don't know what's more amazing 
that it won the Academy Award for Best Picture. It beat out Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro and another great movie called uh, Network that had William Holden in it. And I know most of you don't know who that is, but it, it, it won Best Picture. Or that it was written and directed by Sylvester Stallone. You know, it's just like amazing. But anyway, we're watching these old Rocky movies. It's so funny, but man, it is so slow. It just takes forever. The takes, you know, the, the scenes are just three or four minutes of one camera angle. You know, you go to a movie today and it's just edited and chopped. But you sense how much our culture has sped up when you go watch one of those movies. Do that sometime. It's really interesting. But gaining wisdom is more like an original Rocky movie. It's a slow process. There's a guy named Eugene Peterson who uh, is a writer and a pastor. And if you've ever read the message translation of the Bible, he's the guy that did that message translation. And one of the things that he says one of the many things that he says that I really love is he says that soul work is slow work. Soul work is slow work. The transformation of our souls is slow work, and we've got to be aware of that and be okay with that. So to wrap up, I think there's no question that we live in a TMI culture. We live in a too much information culture. Our challenge is to decide what info to screen out and what to let in. And the book of Proverbs, I think, helps guide us toward wisdom. Wisdom that helps us guard our hearts from swerving and drifting. And that whole process takes time. It really can't be done in a hurry. And thankfully, as followers of Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit to guide us and take us on this journey. And we have the community of others alongside us to make that journey. So I would encourage you, Take advantage of that at Wellspring here. Get in the game. Pursue wisdom. Embrace the journey and see where God continues to take you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for uh, your information. And and as we try to sort through everything that confuses us, we know that your word is true. Um, Your love for us is true. Um, The way you show up to us in the lives of other people is true. Help us to know that wisdom. Help us to follow you, to discern, to make good decisions. Teach us, God. Give us humble spirits to hear and listen. Uh, We love you and thank you for Jesus. In Christ's name, amen.